I'm Dana Perino. I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 30th, 2023. I'm Eben Brown. The U.S. Supreme Court says President Biden can't cancel or eliminate part of a student loan debt. But was the plan to scratch 10 or 20 grand per borrower really much of anything? Quite frankly, I don't think Biden was very serious about this cancellation gimmick. I think that it was a vote-getting ploy, uh, and I think it worked wonderfully. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Tens of millions of Americans have outstanding, enormous student loan debt. In many cases, that debt per person exceeds $100,000, not because they borrowed it, but because government lending servicers allegedly improperly charged fees and penalties and default interest. Those loans had been paused for much of the COVID emergency. President Biden had hoped to offer reductions in those balances in amounts of ten or $20,000, but that's now ruled to be unconstitutional. In a 6-3 to three decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, they say the executive branch has no power to erase debt and that the matter isn't an issue for the courts. I believe the court's decision to strike down my student debt relief program is a mistake. I'm not going to stop fighting to deliver borrowers what they need, particularly those at the bottom end of the economic scale. So we need to find a new way, and we're moving as fast as we can. Similar debt to things like credit cards can be nearly or entirely discharged in common bankruptcy proceedings. Student loans, by law, can't. Even the U.S. Constitution specifically says bankruptcy matters are a legislative issue. The decision today quoted California Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic former House Speaker, who said in 2021... People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would has to be... An act of Congress. But for those who owe the money and find they can't get ahead of payments, today is more of the same. Well, I think in general, our members are they've their confidence in the Supreme Court is shaken. Alan Collins went to school and became an aerospace engineer. His thirty thousand dollar student loan balance ballooned to more than a hundred thousand. He wrote the book, The Student Loan Scam, and now organizes studentloanjustice.org, which pushes for restoring bankruptcy rights to student debtors. Because the law is quite clear, whether you're looking at the HEROES Act, which is the law in question, or whether you're looking at the Higher Education Act, uh, where in both cases, Congress gave the president pretty unambiguous authority to waive, compromise, release the federal interest in these loans. So in that regard, I think our members are really disappointed. But on the other hand, you know, $10,000 does nothing to help the worst hurt borrowers. You know, we have people in our group who have repaid $100,000 on a $25,000 loan and still owe, you know, $130,000. And so for the worst hurt borrowers, it was sort of inconsequential, uh, whichever way it went. But I, you know, I think the court really has been politicized at this point. You know, President Trump was the first president to broadly cancel student loan debt by executive order. He did it before the pandemic with disabled veterans, and he did it at the onset of COVID by uh, executive order enacting the repayment pause. 
which effectively canceled a ton of interest for student loan borrowers. So there were no lawsuits then. So should we go back and maybe vacate those executive orders? I don't know. But certainly, I think it just goes to show that politics really ruled the day on this one. There's the the argument about politics. The, the makeup of the court is a lot different now than it was just a few years ago because of three new justices that President Trump was able to appoint. And we've seen the impact of that in, in numerous rulings. You're you're not a lawyer, I understand. You're actually an aerospace engineer who's taken up this mantle of fighting for student loan, as you call it, justice. Your fight began with the hope of restoring the right to file for bankruptcy protection on student loans, which so many Americans may not even still realize after all this time that starting in the 1990s, that constitutional right of bankruptcy was kind of very specifically singled out for student loans. So let's talk about kind of how we got to this point. I think that this is a, a, an explanation that needs to happen because it is really way too easy and dare I say cheap to say, well, you borrowed it, you got to pay it back. I think every, every student loan debtor that I have ever spoke to said, love to do it, <laughs> you know, would love to pay that back. So let's talk about how we got here. You know, it actually goes back to before the 90s. It actually goes back to the 1970s when Joe Biden was a junior senator from Delaware. Uh, They started nicking away at bankruptcy rights uniquely for federal student loans. Joe Biden was a surprisingly key player in getting this right restricted, where they put a five-year waiting period on discharging student loans and bankruptcy. But you're right, by 1998, it became essentially permanently unavailable for all federal student loans. And then again, Joe Biden, as it happens, uh, was a very key guy in 2005 from getting this constitutionally enshrined right removed from private student loans. So this really lies at the core of the student loan problem, even regardless of all the rhetoric and everything that we're seeing right now around the cancellation question. Quite frankly, I don't think Biden was very serious about this cancellation gimmick. I think that it was a vote-getting ploy, and I think it worked wonderfully. And uh, going forward, by the way, I think that Biden will continue to sort of fake fight for sort of these feckless loan cancellation gimmicks, and it works wonders with the electorate. But, you know, at the end of the day, Evan, the founding fathers called for uniform bankruptcy laws, aka rights. Uh, ahead of the power to raise an army and declare war in the Constitution. And unlike all other loans, student loans, both federal and private, have been uniquely stripped of this protection. It lies at the core of everything. And, and let's talk about this. We've, we've, we've been mentioning this, our, our conversation about this right to bankruptcy. And, I, and again, I think the, the, the red meat, easy way that people may think of this is, well, you're just trying to get out of paying for something. Bankruptcy is prescribed in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4 of the U.S. Constitution. We don't even get to your right to free speech until the First Amendment of the Constitution. We don't get to your right to defend yourself, bear arms, until the Second Amendment to the Constitution. We don't even begin to talk about who can be president until the Second Article of the Constitution. Article 1 defines how to make up a legislature and what that legislature should and must do. So Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4 talks about, very specifically, the uniform right of bankruptcy laws. 
And there was some reason for this historical precedent, why the framers of the Constitution considered this to be important. And I know you know about the history uh, behind this, and it has to do with the colonists and their debts to the British crown and sponsors of their original colonies and how they were essentially kept in debt through usury, call it the, the, the perpetual fees and interest that you could never get out from under. So why don't you talk a bit more about that history? I think, I think, cause you're, you're so well read on this. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there's a, a, a journal entry from one of the early pilgrims and it says something to the, to the effect that, you know, we came to this land owing 10,000 beaver pelts to, you know, uh, the King's men. And maybe, maybe it was a ship owner or a trading company or whoever sponsored them to come over. They said, to date, we have repaid them 13,000 beaver pelts, and they still claim that we owe 15,000 beaver pelts. So, so debt to the old world is not a new thing. And in fact, even more recently, founding fathers like George Washington, uh, like Thomas Jefferson, they were being treated very poorly at the hands of British banks, uh, trading companies, ship owners, etc. And in fact, Robert Morris, who essentially funded a large part of the revolution, he did multiple stints in debtor's prison. And if you looked at, at the makeup of the early immigrants to this country, something like half of them were fleeing debt from the old country. So the idea of bankruptcy, as you rightly point out, even precedes the Bill of Rights. This was something that the founders felt so strongly about. They called for it, you know, as I said, ahead of the power to declare war, had the power to raise an army, uh, and all the rights mentioned in the Bill of Rights. So this is not something to be trifled with. And that is precisely what Congress has done since the early 70s with student loans. And I, and I bring this up um, for a number of reasons. There, there was in the 1990s the the adding to the bankruptcy code that accepted the student loans. There was the rider to the 2009 Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act under President Obama that specifically nationalized student loans and gave the Department of Education collection powers, essentially. And we we talk about the colonists' example because I think there's a parallel. This idea that you could be caught up in perpetual debt that you can't repay because it keeps getting bigger far far greater than whatever you originally agreed to repay in terms of what you borrowed and what your amortized amount was going to be so let's talk about student debtors now and how they ended up with some of them as you've mentioned and i think even yourself you could talk about yourself with some very high debt loads but their original principle was equivalent to maybe a you know, a luxury car or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. You know, this, this, I would call it a tyrannical lending system. This is a big government college enriching, I might add, lending scam. There just is no better word for it. This is precisely what the founding fathers were sort of worried about, I think, when they called for uniform bankruptcy laws and AKA rights. So today the situation is... Uh, really over the cliff. So 85%, and this is before the pandemic, 85% of all borrowers were never going to be able to repay their loans. So that either they had either stopped paying, and that's over half, or they were paying and paying and paying, but their loan balances were going up. You know, the default rate for 2004 borrowers is 40%. That's twice higher than the subprime home mortgage default rate. 
And people who went to college in 2004 borrowed less than a third of what students are borrowing today. So this is really beginning to look a little bit like indentured servitude. You know, we have these income-based repayment programs which advertise loan forgiveness after 20, 25 years of making payments. But the fact of the matter is, in the absence of the leverage that bankruptcy provides the borrowers, the lending side can play all manner of bureaucratic administrative tricks to disqualify people out of these programs. And indeed, well over 95, if not 96 or 7 percent of everyone who tries for these IBRs, uh, IDRs, um, they wind up getting kicked out of the program and they're left owing far more than had they never even uh, tried in the first place. So, you know, uh, Article 13 also outlawed not only slavery, but also indentured servitude. And maybe that's a slightly thinner argument, but you know, uh, Evan, the more you look at the student loan program, the more it really displays many of the hallmarks of indentured servitude. Yeah. And as I said, I think the founders are looking down and they're wondering, how did our citizens get so weak? You know, we would have thrown this debt off of our backs in a minute. I don't think the founders wanted the federal government to be very strong. But yet here we have 38 million people of the 44 million federal student loan borrowers. They will never be able to repay their loans. They're distressed on their student loan debt. They're sneaking around with their tail in between their legs. And... Uh, um, I can only hope that that will change. We're speaking with Alan College of Student Loan Justice reacting to the Supreme Court's ruling that the Biden administration plan to cancel ten or $20,000 worth of student debt is unconstitutional. On the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, we'll have more straight ahead. And there are very real-world punishments for, for not staying current, even if you can't get current. First of all, the, the servicers that are contracted by the federal government may uh, may not accept uh, partial payments, which would be helpful to so many people. There had been a problem in the past of automatic forbearance without notification in which interest keeps accumulating. And then there is the problem of administrative garnishment, which is, again, unique, really, I think, to student loans and child support, where through it, essentially an executive order, they can take not 15% of your money like you would in a court judgment, but 25% of your, of your pay. And you have no way to challenge that in a court. That's exactly right. You know, this is a big government lending monstrosity. You know, not only did the federal government remove bankruptcy rights, and we haven't even talked about statutes of limitations, also uniquely gone from student loans, truth in lending laws, fair debt collection practices restricted. They also created huge, uh, far stronger than any, you know, hard money lender or, you know, mafia loan shark uh, down the block could ever even dream of. This is the sort of weaponization of government, quite frankly, that no true conservative should be supporting. And thankfully, we're seeing some movement among the Republicans, people like Jim Jordan, uh, hopefully, but certainly people like John Cornyn, Matt Gates people from the Cato Institute, the These Federalist names, Society, yeah. and they have pretty big name guys, Josh Hawley in Missouri. Um, they are coming around to calling for the return of bankruptcy rights to student loans. And quite frankly, I think the Republicans have not only a constitutional, but really a conservative, and I would even say a moral duty 
to rein in this big government lending tyranny. I think we have a very major problem here, and it would seem that the Republicans are the people who probably need to solve this. And I'll tell you something, Evan, we're a fiercely nonpartisan group. The Republicans have been pretty terrible on this issue in, in years past. But last session, the Democrats completely betrayed us. They actually had returning bankruptcy rights to student loans in their uh, party platform going back to 2016. Well, last session, there was a great Senate bill, S-2598. It was bipartisan. Um, John Cornyn, Josh Hawley, Dick Durbin were uh, sponsoring the bill that would have returned bankruptcy rights to student loans. And at the very last minute in the session where the Democrats, don't forget, had control of the House, the Senate and the presidency, the Democrats viciously betrayed the people and killed this legislation. So I think we're going to have to see some some real leadership here. And I think it's probably going to have to come from the Republicans. We keep coming back to the the um, the the ruling today from the Supreme Court, and I want to read the one first sentence where they say that they hold that uh, this should be overturned because respondents, meaning the federal government, the the administration, because respondents fail to establish that any injury they suffer from not having their loans forgiven is fairly traceable to the plan, meaning the student loan system. There is a remedy to to debt issues, and that is bankruptcy, which is under Article 1. It's a, it's a legislative matter. And it says here that the court has no jurisdiction to address these procedural claims. But I, I guess it comes back to what do folks such as yourself and, and these countless other people who have been associated with you through student loan justice, what do they do from here? Well, I think, you know, this this court case and there will be another, I suspect. I think the Democrat, I think Joe Biden, and the Democrats will try again instead of using the HEROES Act. I think they'll probably use the Higher Education Act, Section 1082, which, again, gives the president, secretary, broad authority to cancel loans. But it will be insincere. They're doing this for political purposes rather than actually trying to help anyone. Their hope is to get this tied up in the courts as long as possible, certainly through the next presidential election. So I think this case this and this, this whole thing really evinces the fact that bankruptcy becomes just all the more important. As, as long as the leverage of bankruptcy remains gone from these loans, Joe Biden or any president, uh, any administration, Republican or Democratic, they can string this out forever. You know, this this is something that even the Congress of 1965, I think, when they created the Higher Education Act, had never envisioned. You know, they envisioned a lending system that was free of interest. And those are LBJ's exact words on the day that he signed the Higher Education Act into law. This has become something that nobody could have imagined back in 1965. And we are a nation of people before we are a nation of laws. And when they try and turn these loans back on, my best estimate is that 80% of all borrowers, more than half of them, by the way, are either Republican or independent. That's a little known fact. They will not resume paying their loans. The loans will not be paid. It's just not going to happen. So therefore, the loans will be canceled. Now, whether they're canceled in a um, clean, civil manner or whether they're canceled ultimately through, you know, the demise of the borrower through death, well, that remains to be seen. But 
the lending system is finished. And but for the bad politics in Washington, D.C., this lending system probably would have been thrown on the scrap heap of failed U.S. policy experiments <laughs> uh, history many years ago. Well, and and I think what most people may not realize is that with bankruptcy uh, protections and on other kinds of consumer lending, with the threat of that debt being discharged, the lender often works with imperiled debtors to keep getting something paid, lest the lender be out the money totally because of a bankruptcy discharge. So that that protection, that scenario, that dynamic, if you'll call it, doesn't exist with the current student lending system. So. Um, right. And, yeah. yeah and, and that really, and you you hit it on the head. I mean, that it really is the core of the problem. In the absence of the leverage of bankruptcy, the lending side is free to abuse the borrowers with impunity. And as we've seen with this example, that is exactly what the lenders are doing, up to and including the Department of Education. The Department of Education is one of the most ruthless predatory lenders probably on earth through this federal student loan program. And, you know, even Donald Trump, by the way, before he even ran for president in 2015, he was decrying the fact that the federal government sees these student loans as a profit center for the federal government. The leverage of bankruptcy keeps the lending side honest and keeps them behaving with at least a floor of good faith. And I mean, as I said, I think the founding fathers are looking down and this is exactly what they feared happening when they called for uniform bankruptcy laws. All right. Alan College of studentloanjustice.org and also across uh, all your social medias. Thank you so much for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you, Evan. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.